all good? Okay, um, to start off, let's go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians 5.17. And I do want to thank you guys for the opportunity to speak. Um, you know, that's, that's a great opportunity you've given me and that the Lord has given me. Um, so 2 Corinthians 5, we're going to start in verse 17. All right, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. And go ahead and say a prayer. Uh, dear Lord Jesus, just thank you for another day of your grace and the grace extended to this world. And thank you for the opportunity uh, to speak here uh, your truths from your word. And thank you for your word that you've revealed anything about yourself to us. And uh, thank you for your will and uh, for laying it out for us in scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as I started preparing this, I was going to kind of talk about our, our culture a little bit, and then I realized really that uh, what I'm going to say here doesn't really apply just to like our culture today, but it's been throughout the course of time. But in the culture that we do live in, um, and there's just, there's just this idea in the culture of being fascinated with concepts such as an impending doom or apocalypse and an idea of a world headed toward destruction. But, you know, there's also a fascination with the heroes that rise to the occasion and overcome a great and powerful adversary. And you might kind of start tying that in with the typeface I chose on the <laughs> outline there. But themes such as these are not new, but can be showcased in our culture's recent boom of superhero films. And that have really popular, popularized the genre. And we look forward, uh, or we look towards rather, or desire something uh, more. So desire that we be something more rather than be content with who we are. There's a popular story pattern uh, often used in uh, stories throughout thousands of years called the hero's journey. And in the hero's journey, uh, the basic summary of it goes like this. An individual often of humble origins is called out to a purpose greater than themselves. They, must, uh, they may be at first reluctant, but ultimately they set forth on a journey that trains them and transforms them. So there's a stretch of personal growth that happens there. They will come to know a mentor who encourages them to proceed into and despite the dangers that await them. And they are thrust into an epic quest of challenges, obstacles, and grand adventure. Ultimately, the hero's journey concludes when the hero has fulfilled the task appointed to them and the enemy of the world is defeated. The hero returns home older and wiser. And you may recognize this pattern across stories for thousands of years, as I said, and it carries over into some widely known uh, pop culture things such as Star Wars or the Lord of the Rings. Uh, consider you know, Gandalf coming to Bobo and explaining his task and helping reclaim a treasure, which he previously really didn't care about. And you find these themes uh, in games and books and movies. Um, in games, for example, often the player is a hero that sets out to conquer evil in the land. Um, we as humanity, though, can get so wrapped up in the mundane things of our lives 
that we often become uh, distracted from what Paul refers to as the high calling of God. And we begin to believe that others' lives are greater than our own, to which the Bible declares those comparing themselves among themselves are unwise. We watch often to the slipping away of our own time, uh, as more often, or many times is the uh, truth that there's nothing more than facades displayed on social media. And we, we spend too much time just looking at these things and trying to attain a life that, you know, isn't even reality. And we so often resort to entertainment, games, movies, and books. And there's, you know, these can be fun, these can be enjoyable, but we, we sometimes reach to them to fill voids and desires uh, to be something more. And even in our sin nature, when we're born, uh, you know, we understand that we are lacking. And so we try so very hard to find a purpose in life. And so what I'd like to communicate this morning uh, is this, and that is the reality of who you are in Christ and who you've been made to be, the position that you've been given and your capacity to serve him and carry out his purpose. All these things, God's purpose in your story, your place in this world, is far greater than any story or experience that the world has to offer. Okay, so point one on the outline here, it says, I have been, so you are called, so that first one is called, and then parentheses there, according to God's purpose. So you have been called according to God's purpose. So we're just going to scratch the surface, really, on all the topics I'm going to hit this morning, and they're all so deep. Um, but what God done, has done for you is great and amazing. Ephesians 3 expresses the importance that a believer be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height of the love of Christ and the fullness of God. Now just think about that a second. We often forget, or perhaps it just becomes old hat and routine knowledge that the ex of the extraordinary reality um, that we've been placed into Christ's body. Just consider that for a moment. <laughs> In the garden at the fall of humanity, when sin enters into the world, uh, God doesn't destroy man, but instead promises him redemption. Did he have to do that? Time and time again, we watch in the narrative of scripture as man fails, and the natural man of his own strength will always fail and can never attain anything of eternal value. He may lay up treasures on this earth. He may conquer, and he may win victories over his earthly enemies. But despite these apparent successes, in good fortune, the book of John addresses such a one in one simple principle, and that is that he that believeth not is condemned already. And when God has condemned you, it is in your best interest to find out what he wants and believe what he says. And so this describes the state of the natural man. And Paul concludes the position of humanity in Romans chapter 3. So let's turn to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. Romans chapter 3, verse 10, Paul, Paul has just gone through in the first part of Romans kind of a, a summary of what has happened in humanity up to the point of which he's writing. And he's, concluded, he's concluding here um, the state of humanity. So in verse 10 he says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good no, not one. And so we see the dire situation that humanity faces, and by extension, the, the entire world. Humanity in itself, 
by itself is an utter disaster because of sin. Let's skip down to verse 19. You know, the verses there continue to just keep describing that. Verse 19 says, Now we know that whatsoever the law saith, so God had intervened at one point in history, and he had given the law, revealing some things about what it would take for humanity to be righteous, the, the standard to be set. And it says in verse 19, Now that we know, or now we know that whatsoever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and the world may become guilty before God. And it says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So the law, all that it accomplished, as holy and as righteous as the law was, all it accomplished for humanity was to show them that they were sinners who needed something greater than themselves. And of course, we know that's God and that's Christ. In verse, in verse 19, then, or sorry, in verse 21, uh, we see the shift in this. Okay? It says, but now... The righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. I'm just going to flip my paper here. <laughs> Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, and so we understand then as believers that God has provided a way for you, born into the world a sinner, to get right with him. And if you've believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as a payment for your sins, and that alone, this is it. This is the beginning of your journey, the beginning of your calling to a purpose that is above that uh, which you can naturally understand apart from God. In 2 Thessalonians 2, it says that God has called you by our gospel and chosen you for this road that you are to travel. You are the called according to his purpose. That's what Romans 8 says. And we are talking about the God of the universe giving each and every one of us a chance to band together in a fight against sin. And this is our call to adventure. The very word of God has come to, come to you in your life. And as in Romans 10, 17, it says... So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The word of God has come to you, and it is calling, to you, calling you for your greatest adventure ever. So turn to Ephesians 2 real quick. And we're going to grab just a little bit of understanding about who you were and who Christ has made you. So Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 1. Ephesians 2, 1 says, and, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So you were dead in trespasses and sins, and that, that word quickened, it's alive. He's made you alive, and that's incredible. You were dead, and now God has made you alive in Christ. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And stop and think just a second about what this is saying. And I keep saying that because sometimes we read over these passages and we've heard them before and we just don't think about what it's actually saying. You were God's enemy, yet here you are having been made alive by the Spirit. You were alienated from God, as Colossians, uh, Colossians says, and you were opposed to God, and now you've been placed into Christ's body. And Colossians adds that you've been forgiven all your trespasses. Again, the God of the universe that spoke the world into existence in six days has called, did call you an enemy. And now in Ephesians 2, verse 4, let's jump there. 
But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You realize you're sitting right now with Christ Jesus in heavenly places? That's your position. That's exciting. (laughs) Very exciting. The grace that is extended to us when we believe. The extraordinary position we've been given in Christ. A position in the body of Christ in heavenly places. And the Bible says, Know ye not that we we shall judge angels. And that, my friends, is your position. Sealed, secured, justified, and sanctified. These are things that describe you today, right now. Point number two. I have been placed. Placed, and in the parentheses, in a world that needs God. So I have been placed in a world that needs God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And what did we just say was our position in Christ? Well, it's it's one with a heavenly calling, a heavenly purpose. So for what reason are we, who have been made new creatures, given new life in Christ, and a position in the heavens, for what reason are we left here on this earth in what the Bible calls a vessel? It's talking about your body. We're, We're in this vessel that is corrupted and destined to wither away. I mean, we've been made complete in Christ, yet here we are in this body that we were originally born in, that's going to wither away. Why are we still on this earth when, when we're safe, right? And we're, you know, we're also in a earth, a world that is full of the enemies of God. And Paul concludes in Philippians that concerning his own desire to leave and be with the Lord, that it is more need, or that to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And so this describes why it is that we are saved, but left here on this earth where your eternal life is to be accessed right now. Okay, First Timothy six twelve says or tells us to lay hold on eternal life. We can we can grasp it right now. And your work for the Lord starts the day that you believed Him at His word. Your eternal life isn't waiting for you to die and gain your new body. Your eternal life uh, starts right here in the vessel in which your spirit dwells. And God says that by His word that every one of us should know how to possess His or her vessel in sanctification and in honor. And that comes out of 1 Thessalonians. So let's take a step back for just a moment and recall the account of the flood. So you remember the pre-flood time is a time at which um, there's very little revelation having been given about God at that time. And God looks down at humanity who has been running its course. It's called the course of the world. Um, And he looks down and he says, there was only evil, or their hearts, you know, their thoughts were only evil continuously. And so humanity at this point becomes destined for wrath, okay? And First Peter describes, kind of summarizes this time um, before the ark was completed. It says that, that this was the long suffering of God while the ark was being built. And then, of course, we understand that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and that eight people are saved during that whole catastrophe, right? That, that was... The first judgment with water on this earth that the people um, failed, failed to follow God and only eight of them did so and only eight were saved. Very, very, very few. Well, there is a second judgment coming on humanity and it's going to be a big one. <laughs> we live in enemy territory right now 
in a time in which God's grace and long-suffering is abundant to the world. And here you are with the knowledge of God, at least the gospel of how you were saved. And we must stand strong in the Lord, uncompromised, unfaltering, all while we are in our earthen vessels, our bodies. We must learn to possess our vessels in sanctification and in honor. Because you are a soldier now, and you stand on the front lines with your brothers and sisters in arms in the body of Christ. And don't think for a moment that there is anything about that truth that is, that is mundane or less than extraordinary. That God would give to you his spirit inside of your body. Just think about that. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is how it's described in the Bible. You, the temple of God. And when Christians so often ask if God is present in this place, of course he is. He's inside of you. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 17. So this is where we were at before. So look at this passage again. Second Corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God. I'm going to back up just a second. Verse 17 there. It speaks again, just once again, that your, your position, what's been changed about you. And that leads into your calling, right? So verse 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. And I'll just read the next one. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. See, God has done the work for you, and now he has tasked us with a word of reconciliation that we're to be the ministers of. And that word is the word that we find in God's word. And it says in verse 20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. So you are called to be a soldier, a minister, an ambassador. And these are the things that God has come to you with, that he has called you to. And his wisdom is so great, in his power so sure that he has enabled each one of us that believes to serve him. Point number three. I have been tasked, not taxed, tasked, to tell a dying world of Christ. Okay. So I have been tasked to tell a dying world of Christ. What is the role of an ambassador? So we just read there, now then we are to be ambassadors. An ambassador in political terms is an individual who is sent from one country to a foreign country with some sort of message. And these individuals are also sometimes called ministers, which we just read about being ministers as well. So here we are, a people now placed in heaven, seated alongside Christ, but we're left here on this earth. So we're of heaven, left on this earth, and we have been given a task by God You've been given a vocation, as the Bible calls it, which is a job. Uh, Ephesians 4.1 talks about the, the vocation there, so just a reference. But a part of this job is to come to the knowledge of the truth, which in uh, one of the second Timothy talks about that as being the will of God. It's the second part of the will of God is that you come to the knowledge of the truth. To learn what it is that God has done for you, what he wants you to do, and how he is equipping you to do it. 
To make a reference back to pop, pop culture, and this is probably the one some people have been waiting for, consider the Avengers, right? Popular movies right now, okay? And they, I mean, they started as comic books, they've been around a while, but uh, popular movies right now, and all these superheroes are ready and banded together to save the world, right? Uh, one tagline associated with the Avengers, I'm not sure where it started, maybe in the cartoons or something, but it says, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. And these heroes, as is the superhero fashion, they, they battle enemy after enemy, and though troubles may rise, uh, they master their abilities that, they've been, that they have or have been given, and they learn to work together. And generally speaking, they ultimately stand victorious. I mean, there's, there's ups and downs, obviously. Um, the Avengers are not biblical uh, heroes by any stretch of the imagination. However, if you get excited for how it is that these fictional characters are going to save the world, and it, that can be exciting, it can be fun, but so much more so should you be excited to know your place in this world, in, in reality. Do you realize that as an ambassador for Christ and a part of his body, you are the earth's mightiest heroes? Now, I'll clarify that it's not you who are strong, okay? But it is you that have been granted God's knowledge and power. God looked to the world and he, he said he was going to create a body, the body of Christ, and he said, by my grace alone, I will equip them with all spiritual blessings and give to them my word, the knowledge necessary to fight against the world's ways. Ephesians 6 says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And, and a few verses later, it says, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And also in Ephesians, it says that the days are evil. That's right now. And God has given us the equipment for the reality of the battle that we are in the middle of right now. So how then can we sit idly by and allow ourselves to be distracted from our stories? Every one of us has a story. And there is an entire world out there, right outside these doors, whose defenders and truth bearers are we, the body of Christ. Turn to uh, 2 Corinthians 10. So we're in 2 Corinthians. Let's go over to ver chapter 10. And we'll start in verse 3. So 2 Corinthians 10, 3. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war with the flesh. So we understand that our war is, is not a physical one. We're not fighting on physical terms. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So, so how, does that, how does that help us exactly? How does it help us that our, our weapons are not physical, but they're these, these spiritual weapons? Well, it has already helped you. It has changed your heart if you believed God, and our gospel continues to do so. The gospel changes hearts, and when hearts are changed, people change and actions change. In verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So just to go along with that there, it's talking about every, every high thing against the knowledge of God. That, that's sin, okay? And sin, in a, in a short and sweet definition, well, not sweet, but sin is anything contrary to God and his will, okay? Sin is anything contrary to God and his will, and that's what we are fighting, anything against God and his will. So in conclusion, 
You, as a believer, are called to a purpose greater than yourself. And you may not have known that, and you may not have felt that, but through God's word, you can learn it. The Spirit working effectually in you through the word of God allows you to enter into and stand against a world of darkness. And you will face trials and tribulations and persecutions. The Bible says that those who live godly will suffer persecutions. But you will be able to stand with the body of Christ in this grand adventure that is our life in Christ. And as Christ's body, we build a church that stands as soldiers against the darkness of this world together, and we despise the adversary who knows he's already lost. Our very existence in Christ is something that the world didn't deserve and the devil didn't see coming. So be excited about who you are in Christ and read his words. God didn't owe you any, anything at all, any, not any one thing, but he gave us the Bible so that we can know about him, about who he is, what he is doing, and who we are. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, just... Once again, thank you for this day of grace and this opportunity to pre preach grace um, here while you're not currently judging the world. And help us to get excited about being ambassadors for you and, and the purpose that you have. And just to stand up with each other and encourage each other um, just to go out into the world and stand with the full armor of God. In Jesus' name, amen.